Welcome to the Give Him Jesus podcast. This is episode six. Six. Yeah, we've kind of gotten off on posting these every week, but oh well. So sorry. If you're a believer in Christ, you are to forgive us. Uh, if you're not a believer in Christ, give your life to Jesus so that you will forgive us. The key thing is that we haven't given up. That's Well, we can't give up because then that would go against yeah, that's true. our slogan of mm. don't give up, give them Jesus. But anyways. They would stop you during a sermon and be like, hey, if your motto's don't give up, why did you give up on a podcast? Yeah. I've been stopped in sermons before. Have you really? Yep. That's no. a whole other story, though. But, uh. Yeah, small country churches. Um, anyways, my name is Luke Hawk and Josh with Give Him Jesus. As always, we have the wonderful and awesome and faithful servant to the Lord and the one that makes this absolutely possible because we have no idea what we're doing without the one, the only, Hunter Brobst. Mm, it's yep. good to be here. Man, it's, it's good to have you here. It's good to be alive after <clears throat> Saturday morning. Yeah, Luke, Luke almost got in a little pickle. Almost. Well, you were in the pickle. Yeah. But you survived the pickle. The tornado of Halton shook us to the core. Uh man and what three people lost their lives. And so it was a it was a tough hit. Very tough hit. So but we're thankful to be here. God's hand was on our house. Uh lots of he showed us lots of grace and mercy and he didn't have to, but we we're very thankful that he did. Before we get started, I've got to give a shout out to a young man named Preston from Union Christian Academy in Farmerville, Louisiana. Did a uh, chapel out there. He came up to me. He said, man, I listened to your podcast. I said, sweet. So we at least nice. have one listener. Yeah. I mean. That's all we need. Really? Yeah, absolutely. All we need is one. So Shout out to him. Shout out to Preston. We gave it to him. Awkward silence. All right, let's get into this today. So, folks, for those of you that don't know, we don't have a script. We don't have lines. This is we just show up. Hunter sets everything up. I pour a cup of coffee, and we start talking. Well, Mr. Hunter came in today and said that he had something he wanted to talk about. Yeah, I had a little something. I was um, So at the point that we're recording this, when I got here, it was... Raining cats and dogs. It really specifically on Sligo, like uh, it was bad. So, <clears throat> um, it was bad over at my house. Anyways, I was kind of paying attention. I was kind of not, but sometimes in the mornings, probably about every other day. No, I'd say on Monday I listen to music. On Tuesday I listen to the Bible. On Wednesday I listen to music. On Thursday I listen to the Bible, mm. and on Friday I listen to music. Okay. Okay, so you're so, Tuesday, Thursday Bibler. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that's probably my only exposure to the Bible. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I was um, like, uh, he, goes, he, he goes to Eastwood Baptist. Yeah, I'm a two-a-dayer. So. <laughs> but anyway, so I was like, I was kind of listening, and it was really talking about, it was going through Exodus and the um, all the rules and stuff about the Passover and what they were to do about this and that and this and that. And I was like, Man, this is um, kind of boring. Like <laughs> you know, you know all the kind of main rules that they, you may or may not know, depending on how much you read your Bible. But if you don't, there's tons of rules. But the main thing is that you take a spotless lamb, you um, sacrifice that lamb, you put the 
the blood on the doorpost and you eat that lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you do that so that your firstborn doesn't die. So there's there's some motivation yeah. behind it. Definitely some motivation <clears throat> behind it. And lamb chops are pretty good. <clears throat> yeah, so... Anyways, I'm halfway listening, trying not to die in the midst of the storm. And um, then as I get on uh, 157, they're, are, they're over that and they're running away. So this is the exodus of Israel from Egypt, just in case you didn't know this is what's happening. So Moses has already gone to Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go. I don't, think he, re- yeah, I don't think he really sang to him, but... He had a stutter. Yeah, so it might have been Aaron that sang to him. Yeah, but anyways, he was saying, uh, "Let you know, let my people go," and then Pharaoh was like, "No," and he was like, "Plague one," and then Pharaoh was like, "Dang," and he was like, "Let my people go," and Pharaoh was like, "No," he was like, "Plague two," and Pharaoh was like, "Dang," and instead of me going through all of them, but there's a multitude of plagues, and then finally, <laughs> it's like if crushed from. Finding Nemo read read the Bible is what you were just describing. <laughs> Moses yeah. was like, let my people go. Pharaoh was like, no. Moses was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Forgot to add that one in there. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so um, then Moses is finally like, all right, get out of here. I'm tired of you guys. And um, so they start to go, and here's the funny part. You know about, you've pro- probably everybody has heard of the parting of the Red Sea, and they walk through it. That's cool. Um, I could go into detail on how cool that is specifically, other than you just think that um, Moses just walks up and taps it, and it just goes. Mm. Um, there's some other details that are pretty cool, but specifically when they're fleeing Egypt, and then Pharaoh changes his mind, and he's like, "Wait, this ain't happening." So he sends his army with the people, or after the people, and then they see him. So we're going to, if if you have your Bible, turn to this page. If not, don't get in a wreck and die. Yeah. If you're at school, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast in the first place. But you I get mean, extra I guess credit. If, yeah, if you could slip out your Bible and just look through this and not get in trouble. Yeah, it's a, tell your teacher you. it's an extracurricular activity. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. So we're in Exodus 14, mm. starting in verse 10. It's page 66 in the my Bible. 59 in mine. Well, yours so. is wrong. It's debatable. Um, yours has two sixes in it, and then there's one more right there. So that's, that's the devil's Okay, page. Exodus 14, <laughs> verse 10. Who, <laughs> are you reading? Yeah, it's too early to, to stay on one track. They don't have to know how early this is. That's true. Uh, all right, yeah, so starting in verse 10, Exodus 14, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So when so they were very, so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is it is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it w- w- would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Hmm. Let me make sure they didn't say anything else to add on to their stupor. Mm-mm. Then Moses says, Don't be afraid. So yeah. um, <clears throat> basically what I want to talk about is 
It's a lot easier to be a slave than it is to be brave. Oh, oh. In the Lord. That was good. That just came to me. Yeah. So, and that's pretty much what I was what I what I was starting to think of is um that's kind of like the moment that I had that really changed my faith is like I called myself a Christian and Christian was this thing that I had like that I did on a certain day of the week and all that kind of stuff, but when it really came down to it um it just wasn't very it didn't fill my life. It was just a compartment of my life. <clears throat> and so that's because I liked some of the things that I did. I didn't want to give those things up. But there's a moment where there's a scary kind of moment where you're like, all right, I'm I'm leaving all of this behind. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to live as a slave to these sins. I'm going to start living following God. Even if following God is in the wilderness, which is what you think. Like in that moment, I remember thinking it was like fun here and okay. miserable, horrible yeah. following Christ. It wasn't completely like that, but it was like, I love Jesus. I know he has a plan for me. I know everything's going to be great, but it just doesn't really look, the forecast this direction doesn't really look too great. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't just say, I'm not that person that says, have fun, live your life, live free, die young. Yellow. Or be a Christian and live by rules. No, I'm not that guy. But mm-hmm. there's just kind of like this, you know, you kind of, it's easy to live in slavery. It's mm-hmm. easy to to live in uh, sin because you're just chasing that temporary joy, that temporary, not joy, but that temporary happiness mm-hmm. um, that things can give you. And you know, I, I just knew at that moment that that was like, me saying no to all that. Mm-hmm. So um <clears throat> it's easier to be in slavery to things. They had gotten in a routine mm-hmm. over in Egypt. They had been there for four hundred plus years. That's in Exodus chapter twelve, verse forty. It says the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. So they had been where they were for a long time. And yeah. the longer you stay somewhere the easier it is to get in a routine, to get bogged down, to get comfortable, and to let the enemy come into your brain and make you think this is the best it's ever going to be for you. You might as well just make do. You're never going to achieve anything else. You're never going to break free. This is who you are. Yeah. And they even said it in in, uh, verse 12. They said, Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Like reminding him, saying, like when he first showed up, was like, hey, let's break this joint, mm-hmm. you know? And they're like, no. Yeah. This is fine. Yeah. And they're like, who? Isn't this Moses? Like, isn't, yeah. isn't this the murderer, the one that, yeah, no, we're not going to listen to him. <clears throat> but then, too, imagine poor old <clears throat> Moses, because the Bible says there were 600,000 men. That's not counting the women and children. So it wasn't like he just had a small congregation yeah. of a little Southern Baptist church saying, hey, you should have left us alone. This was over a million people coming at him saying, we told you this was going to happen. You should have left us alone. And I think a lot of us, even in our life today, we you've already mentioned it, talking about how that we see being a Christian as a thing of rules. Mm-hmm. We see it, being a Christian is not fun. That's the way I saw it. I grew up. You grew up Lutheran. 
I grew up real old school Southern Baptist out in the woods where they had the three don'ts. Don't do drugs. Don't drink alcohol. Don't have sex before marriage. There were all these don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. There was never any talk of Jesus. It was a lot of God, hellfire, brimstone type preaching, which I don't have a problem with when it's biblical. I have a problem with when it's just crazy spitting. It seems like some places where you go, the louder you scream and the more you spit, the more people amen when they can't hear anything you're saying. Yeah, that's true. We have all these people that think there's all these rules and, and regulations. Now there's boundaries in your life with Christ, but boundaries are there to keep you in check and in line. It's the same thing with the football field. If there was no out of bounds, Clemson Tigers might would have done a little bit better at the national championship. Yeah. Basketball, if there was no out of bounds, you'd have people dribbling all the way up through the stands. It'd be like the Harlem Globetrotters playing every game. Yeah. But there's boundaries in life. God puts them there. Matter of fact, you're going to see in Exodus the Ten Commandments that are given to Moses by God on top of the mountain. And those commandments are put there, one, for us to exalt Christ and exalt the Lord and to keep him first and not necessarily to follow his rules, but to understand his commandments and to understand his character through those commandments. Yeah. You know. Um, and one last thing, or before we transition into the, like I'm thinking of my choice. Mm. So I'm thinking of, I'm relating this to when I uh, was, was in. Warthog? Yes. Lion King. Sorry. I just watched that movie. Did it's you? a great. My wife has never seen that. If you listen to this podcast, hashtag Olivia Watch Lion yeah. King, blow it up. Is she like refusing to? So you ever go somewhere and they make you <clears throat> do those real awkward things like tell us one interesting fact about yourself? Well, her interesting fact is that she's never seen The Lion King. Mm. And she doesn't want to watch it because she feels that she doesn't have anything else interesting in her life. You know, besides the fact that she's married to me. Oh, that's her one thing. That's her one thing. That's her interesting topic about herself is that she has never watched The Lion King. Huh. Not that we have a dog or that whose one ear's floppy and one ear perks up. I'm trying to think of a strategy where we can rope her into it. I've tried. It's recorded on our DVR. I mean, our dog has watched it. So, like, you've played it while she's been there and she just won't. She no, won't. she won't let me. I don't know how it is oh, okay. at your house, but my wife <coughs> controls the remote when she's home. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I just sit there and watch, and she's the queen of my double-wide. No, normally, I, I think I I don't say I control the remote, but it's pretty balanced, mainly because when I control the remote, it's like, mm. are you kidding me? Why do we have to watch this? Why do I have to watch this? Uh, you can, and then I finally just give up, and then she gets the remote, and she watches something, and mm. instead of me doing it back, not to sound like the holier than thou, I'm just like, whatever. Here's my know. key. It's Anyways, good. back. Yeah. We'll we'll come back to that at the end of this. So <clears throat> you talking about your choice? So yeah. So I'm thinking I'm relating this moment to my choice when I chose to get out of just slavery, and what I what I mean by that is, um. You know, there's this moment, there's there's always a moment, like if you're a Christian and you just, you know, stub your toe, let out a wordy dirt and, you know, get over it, I wouldn't really call that being a slave to sin. Now, that's a very bad explanation, but you know, 
I'm talking about the repetitive, the lifestyle, the live, constant living in sin. <clears throat> sin, if you're living in that, you're living in slavery. And to walk away from that is, um, it can be scary in the moment. But it's that's what they're saying. They're saying it would have been better. This is the very last part of the last verse. Um, they said, leave us alone. And they said, didn't we tell you to leave us alone? And he said, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And that's probably kind of, it's kind of ironic because that's what, that's what's happening is you're, is you're dying to yourself. It's not about you. I think that's what I knew the most as I knew that once I stopped living this life, this life, Hunter made every decision that he wanted. And I knew that at this point, I was literally having to give over all of my trust to God to make the decisions that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Or my mindset would have to change and make decisions that he wanted instead of decisions that Hunter wanted. Mm. Now, ever since that choice, has it always been God's decisions? Of course not. But um, I knew the majority was going to be God directing me on where I needed to go. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of nerve-wracking. But it's funny because that's that's what Jesus asks you to do in the New Testament. He says to die to yourself or to be born again. Um, so you are dying. You're dying to your sin. You're dying to your old lifestyle. And then you have a new life in Christ. Yeah. So this transitions to after the decision, which is after I made that decision, now looking back. Let me ask you. After, okay. you, after you finally, not necessarily your salvation story, but that moment where you really got serious about it, mm-hmm. um, after that decision, would you say that Look now, looking back on that decision, would you say that it was a good decision or a bad uh, decision? Great. Good. I, don't, I don't think anybody, at least I don't know anybody, that would say, oh, "I shouldn't have done that." Yeah, type thing. I've wasted all this time in my life, and you know there are, there are stories of people that fall away from the faith, and maybe they think that, mm. and maybe if you're listening and you're like, "I think that," I want to talk to you. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah, but, um, and I think too a lot of wanted not to cut you off, but no, you're good. just kind of throw chime in. You know, a lot of times when the people that you hear that fall away from the faith, and I think we put too much of our faith in man-made religion and not Christ-centered, biblical foundation um, walk with Christ. And, and the reason I say that is because Jesus Christ will never fail you. The Bible says that he is the same today as he was yesterday and as he will be forever. He was perfect. He is blameless. He is fault, faultless. I mean, there's. He's just. He he's God. I mean, and he'll never fail us. And but a man or a woman or a church or a denomination or anything other than Christ will fail us. You mm-hmm. know, there's going to be a day when I'm going to make Hunter Brobst mad. More than likely, there's something's going to happen. I'm going to say something. Probably I'm going to talk about my dog. I'm going to talk about your dog, or you're going to talk about my dog, or, mm-hmm. or there's going to something like that's going to happen. Now, and if I have based my walk with Christ off of my relationship with Hunter Brobst, when that happens, oh, I'm just I'm going to walk away from it because how could how could somebody like Hunter Brobst do this? Well, because he was born a sinner, 
you know, and for we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Just picking on you because you're here. It's pretty good. Yeah, I never I mean, thought about it that way. If Billy Graham was sitting here, I'd be saying the same thing to him after I fangirled and drooled all over the place. But Because I think a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people will attach their their faith to... You know, a lot of uh, most people do it to a church, but if you sing if you single it down to one person, which kind of is a representation of the church, mm-hmm. you know, because we're just as sinful as the one person in the church as is the global church. Mm-hmm. When you like, I'm I'm thinking of a person kind of like your, you know, who had a rough lifestyle, who met a guy, and that guy kind of led them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Their salvation, sometimes they'll attach it to that person. So when that person and them have a spaff or whatever you want to call it, an mm-hmm. argument, then they distance themselves. Well, what they're doing is, I didn't, mm-hmm. their faith was mainly, not their faith was put in that person, but like their faith was rooted in that person mm-hmm. instead of being rooted in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's pretty Happens good. all the time, in reco- especially in recovery, because... Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that give their life to Christ, sold out for the Lord, do some really big things. They go preach. They go do all this wonderful stuff, but then they have a moral failure or they have a relapse. And what that does when so many people have you know, put their faith in them, um, that's why I always tell people don't put your faith in me you know, because I'm not exempt from a relapse. You know, I'm not too far holier than thou to ever not fall. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I mean, Peter walked with Christ, talked with Christ, had his feet washed by Jesus and still denied him three times. And if you read in the New Testament again, Paul had to go to Peter and say, hey, dude, you're acting one way in front of these people and one way in front of these people. That's not how you're supposed to be. So Peter was, I mean, he fell, but yeah. Christ still redeemed him. If you read about the Pentecost in the book of Acts, I mean, thousands of people came to know the Lord. But in recovery, we put our faith in somebody, and then they fall. And because our faith was rooted in them, then we think that this is just a bunch of junk, that it's not real. You know, Christ never says to trust in a man. He says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He never says to trust in the church. Now, am I saying that you should trust your church? Sure, Absolutely. But it shouldn't be what your faith is centered around. Yeah, I I trust and love and and think an awful lot of our pastor, Gavin, but he is not who my faith is built upon. I love my wife with everything that I have. The only thing I love more than my wife is Jesus, and I pray that I always keep that, that I love Jesus more than I love my wife. But my faith is not built around my wife, and it's built around Christ. And when your faith is built around something that never fails, that never falters, that that never ceases, because here's the deal. He, Christ was there in the beginning, and he's going to be there in the end. He's going to be there through the ends of the world. He's going to be there through the ends of the universe. I mean, he he's there. So my faith is built on something that will outlive anything and outlast anything. And I think when you read in Exodus 14 what was going on too, these people had just been let out of slavery. Okay, so if you will, let's just say there had been a revival. There had been a great awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of stuff happened. Read it for yourself, man. Check unto it. Um, in Exodus, it's a phenomenal read, wonderful book of the Bible, wonderful wonderful stuff. But 
a great awakening, a revival had taken place, if you will, and millions of people, hundreds of thousands, I mean, just droves of people come out of slavery, and we praise God for that. And when you first come out of bondage and you surrender everything, you're trusting in the Lord, you're walking with Him, the devil's crafty. He lets you get a few days, a few months, maybe even a few years into that next, into your next phases. Mm-hmm. But then, once you think you're in the clear, once you can no longer see Egypt, okay, once your past is out of your sight, if you will, then he's coming. He's crafty. He lurks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so then the enemy's coming, and you start seeing a little glimpse of him. Now, I want you to think about this. There was a million-plus people, okay? A million-plus people stretch a pretty good distance when they're walking. I bet. So they're walking. <clears throat> so homeboy in the back sees the Pharaoh and the Egyptians coming first. Well, then it starts going up the line, and it takes a little bit of time to get all the way up there to Moses so by the time it gets to Moses and the people up front, just saying if Moses is up front, which we believe that he was. Anyways, Moses and everybody in the front, well, Pharaoh and the Egyptians are even closer now, and everybody's panicking. Nobody knows what to do. Maybe you're somebody that you know got out of a bad relationship when Christ saved you, but then all of a sudden that boy or that girl or that man or that woman's coming back into your life, and, and other people see it before you see it. Well, then you hit a wall. Yeah. In this case, they hit the Red Sea. It ain't no little swamp on the bayou, and it's not a little creek. This is a sea. This is a large body of water. And so they're standing there at this wall with their past coming up behind them, seeking to devour them, seeking to destroy them. And then all of a sudden, their emotions go from being, praise God, we've been set free, to God, why in the world did you set me free? if this is all there is. Because we're not looking through the eyes of Christ anymore. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if any man wants to follow me, he must first deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. He must die to self, pick up the cross. And when we do that, we're looking through the eyes of Christ. But when we hit the wall, and when our past is sneaking up behind us, and when the enemy's coming to kill, steal, and destroy, we stop looking at things through the eyes of Christ and we start looking at things through our fleshly eyes again. And the Bible says that what is impossible for man is possible for God. And when you look at a wall, when you look at a situation, when you look at the Red Sea, when you, if you will, just trying to put this in a view where we can kind of grasp it, when you look at those things through the eyes of the Lord, you will see something and you say, you know what? It would be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're looking at the fiery furnace. Hey, God can save us from that, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship you. Hey, God can move that wall. God can move that person out of your life. God can do all these things because nothing's impossible for him. But even if he decides not to, I'm going to still worship him. I'm still going to praise him. And I'm not going to let some materialistic thing keep me from serving my Lord. Yeah. And it's also one thing you're talking about is this kind of relates to the, um, you were talking, the Red Sea I guess when you're a kid, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought the Red Sea was, like, comparable to, like, I don't know, a small lake mm-hmm. or something. But it's like a sea. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. It's like and, you can't see the other side. So. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, and one thing that they point out is, it says this, um, so, 
you know, Moses ta- does whatever with his staff, and then the two walls come up. Hmm. And then it says, the angel and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went f- from before them and stood behind them. So it became between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night. So um, that's pretty cool in itself that it was a cloud and a pillar of light or fire, whatever you want to call it. So one half was giving light to the um, to Israel, and the other half was blocking light to to Egypt, so they couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And um, it came in between. God, God, you see what happens first is God is not moving, um, still saying, "Hey, follow me, follow me, follow me." When it's coming up close behind you, He will separate you and that thing. Um, so God's going to work to separate you, but you have to be willing to go type thing. And then the other thing that's cool is it said it gave light to them and darkness to Egypt all night. Mm. So this wasn't like a 30-minute, hey, let's get across this little small body of water. Mm -mm. This was like we're traveling under a sea, I guess, kind of all night running with thousands of people, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like a little small gateway. It's got to be a big gateway. Um, you got people, you got animals. I mean, yeah. you have their whole livelihood with them. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mean, it's you know, when you're a kid and you're in VBS, you know, I think we do a, a horrible job in our vacation Bible school sometimes <clears throat> trying to um, – well, when we say this, we do a horrible job of not ever reteaching the stories after VBS when the kids grow, you know, because, I mean, I, I grew up in church and when I gave my life to Christ and I remembered all the stories, but I didn't know the true details of the stories, yeah. you know, Noah's Ark. I always picture the little cartoon animals on Noah's Ark and this, you know, little bitty ship sitting on a sunny little bay, I mean... But that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it storm, 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 storm. Noah's Ark had two of every kind of animal. I mean, that was not exactly a fun place to be. Okay, And then the Red Sea. When you're a kid, you think that it's just a little bitty pathway um, and that it's just, you know, you can see the other side from the side they start. Well, no, that wasn't the case. Yeah. And, I mean, it, you think of, like, I-20 in Dallas, Texas, six lanes of traffic going both ways. So that's 12 lanes plus a median. You picture that, and it was still wider for these people to walk through. Yeah. So there, But then there's water, walls of water on both sides. And this is a true story. This isn't mythical. This isn't fictional. This is real. This happened. And so the water on both sides has stopped. And the Bible says that the that they walked across on dry land. Yeah. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Exodus fourteen, verse twenty nine. But yeah. the and the moment they crossed through on the other side, Pharaoh and his army had already started coming. So God separates, like you said, you know, God steps in in his infinite wisdom and his power and 
and his glory. He doesn't have to step in, but he does step in because he loves us unconditionally. And he steps in when we move in faith. And so God has stepped in, separated Pharaoh and the Egyptian army far enough away from the people of Israel so that they could get walking across the dry land. And when the last person's foot from the children of Israel steps out of the waters onto the land, the waters cave in on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Yeah. Yeah. And they're gone. Okay. So God completely separates in that moment and says, look, I got you here. I walked you this far. You and but if you keep reading in Exodus, they continue to stop trusting in the Lord and they continue to want to go back to their old ways. They say they forget about God parting the Red Sea and walking on dry ground. They forget about that when God provided the manna from heaven. They forget all the things that God has done. And we read that and we think, well, those people, they're just so idiotic for doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, we do it too. You know, we forget that God provided that finances when we needed bills, or we forget that God showed us grace and mercy in a storm and kept our home from being destroyed. We forget that God healed our loved one. We forget that God is God and that he's the same today as he was yesterday and as he will be forevermore. And so if you're coming out of something or you're going into a situation or you're <clears throat> fixing to go into a situation and you feel like you're going to hit a wall, and you feel like the enemy's creeping up behind you, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in the Corinthians, to walk by faith and not by sight. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, tells us, if you will seek him, you will find him when you seek him with your whole heart. And this story in Exodus 14 shows us that if we will trust in the Lord, no matter what we come up against, he is there, he is for us. If God is for you, who can be against you? No weapons formed against you shall prosper Remember those things next time you come into a situation and say, you know what, I don't care what happens here. I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to trust him with everything that I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. You want to pray us out? Yeah, yeah, I like this. That was good. That was good. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you so much, Lord. Uh, no matter what we face in life, God, whether it be a a, a young person in our family, God, having a, a drug problem or chasing after the things of this world, whether it be a divorce, uh, God, whether it be a death, um, God, whatever it is that we may be facing, Lord, uh, being laid off from work or home being destroyed, God, whatever it is, you are greater than our circumstances, and our circumstances don't define you. God, you are the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. And, And God, I pray that anyone listening, if they're having a hard time, Lord, if they're having a difficult time, Lord, that they won't allow those circumstances to determine how they worship you. God, that they will worship you through these circumstances and praise you and give you glory. God, protect us. Lord, use us. May this go to reach people that we may never meet. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, one thing I forgot about. Oh. You got to follow us on Spotify. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to hit us up and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. Leave a five-star review with a comment. Maybe let us know who you like better. Um, (laughs) I mean, I know most of you will say Hunter, but you can say Luke just because, you know, he's kind of the founder of Give Him Jesus. Kind of give him a break, guys. I would um, say Hunter. Yeah, go like the Give Him Jesus page on Facebook. Yeah. Um, And if you have any questions, you can email Give Him Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. That's 
G-I-V-E-M-E-M-J-E-S-U-S at gmail.com. There it is. So, peace out, guys. We're glad you um, listened to this episode. I thought it was a good one. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll see you next week. Thanks.